Hey, this is Christian Golden. Welcome to our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message encourages you. I hope it builds you up. Enjoy the message. So this morning, we're going to continue on where we started two weeks ago on the series uh, on the book of Ephesians. And we're going to be in chapter two. I try to post it on our website and send out messages so y'all can read ahead and kind of catch up and stay where we're at. So if you will, open your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 2, and what I want to do is pick up where we left off. And like I did in part 1, I want to do a little talking, a little preaching, a little teaching, and bring out some of the truths along the way. Is that okay? If you like it, I like it. All right? Amen. So let me give a little recap. So last week, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about Paul. We talked about his strong desire to destroy the, the Christians or the people of the way. And if you remember, he was on his way to, to Damascus. He had papers in his hand, and he was on his way on the road to Damascus to further persecute the Christians. And it was there that God got a hold of him. It was there that God came down, and the light shone around him. And the comment that I made on that was sometimes we're going along our way, and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, and all of a sudden, Jesus happens, Right? You know, like, get out of here. Why are you bothering me, Lord? I was happy. I was doing what I was doing. And here you are just messing everything up, right? And that's usually, that's probably what he was thinking at first. But the first thing he said was, who are you, Lord? Or what can I do, Lord? Yes, Lord. So he recognized who Jesus was. So he ended up going, he went to a street called Straight, and God spoke to Ananias. Ananias prayed for him, and he had scales fell off of his eyes. And that reminds me that there's many of us believers are running around with scales on our eyes. We're so blinded we can't even see where we're going. So how many of y'all pray every single day for God to remove the scales from your eyes? I started doing that. And even though I feel like I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I still believe I allow things in my life to blind me. Bitterness, anger, my own personal desires. We talked about it in men's group, respecting God's authority and letting him do things in our life so we don't act out. And if you got scales on your eyes, a lot of times you act out of your own selfish personal will, your own selfish ambitions. And so we got to keep that uh, spiritual vision. We got to pray them scales to fall off of our eyes. I promise you it will change your, your life and your heart. It's already changed mine in just a few weeks that I really started specifically pressing in for that. But not only the scales off your heart, your eyes, but the scales on your heart. Because in a heart, we build up, maybe not scales, but we build up walls. We build up barriers against people, against ideas, against uh, congregations, against our bosses. So we got to pray those things down, too. Because we don't want anything separating us from what God wants us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. And what happens is, you know, if you look at the scales, in a sense, they're like a lens. One of the things that I value in my life is my close relationship with Daryl Bailey and Eric Hammond. We meet every month for the last probably three and a half years now. It's been that long in my driveway. And one of the things they always tell me when I'm fired up is, well, what lens are you looking through? And so the scales that we have on our eyes, in a sense, is like a set of lenses. You know, sometimes we look through the lens of bitterness. Sometimes we look through the lens of pride or self-righteousness. Sometimes we look through the, the, the lens of of selfishness or jealousy or the lens of hate, the lens of unforgiveness. So we got to make sure we're looking through the right lenses, amen? Am I making sense or am I just rambling? It makes sense to me. I hope y'all understand it. Now, I don't want to get too serious, y'all, because y'all might run me out of here, but you got to make sure you know what lenses you're looking through. 
And if there's something, you're, you're, a lens you're looking through that ain't lining up with God's word, you need to take it off. It's like changing your, your glasses. See, y'all look totally different. Y'all look totally different to me. Y'all all look like, like spirits, like blurs. Maybe I'll just leave these off for a while. Amen? I better put them on so I can read my notes. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians was to unify the church. But it was also to teach us about spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6. Um, the church of Ephesus, they, they were an epic center for paganism. Um, and anything that you could worship, they would worship. The sun god, the, the moon god, the, they were all there. And, you know, we talked about the first three chapters of Ephesians was about your, your uh, relationship with God, and the second three was about your behaviors with God. You remember that? And it was two weeks ago. That's why I'm doing a recap. So if you get your relationship right with God, your behaviors will fall in place. But if you try to change your behaviors first, then you're always, and without the relationship with Christ, you're always going to resort back to your old ways. Because without Christ, we're dead. So again, get your relationship right before you start changing your behaviors. Amen? And then it'll all fall into place. And also, in chapter 1, it talked about being adopted. Being adopted with Christ. And I think of that word as so powerful. That means that somebody, when somebody adopts somebody, that means they went and basically took somebody else's responsibility. God looked down from heaven, and he adopted us into Christ Jesus. That now, as being adopted, when I sign that paper, or when I spiritually write that check that I'm sold out for you, Lord Jesus, that means, and then he comes and adopts us, that means everything that my dad has in heaven, I now have. If he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, guess who else owns a cattle on a thousand hills? I do. If he said I can have all the healings and blessings in the Bible because they belong to him, well, guess what I get to have? All the healings and blessings that he has in the Bible. Amen. And Christ redeemed us here. In Christ, we, we're all part of God's eternal purpose. Amen. Christ has made us an inheritance. We are an inheritance for Christ, but we are also an inheritance for Christ because he has sealed us. And when I think about the, the ceiling, I think about, you know, the, this master craftsman. We're going to talk about the, that a little bit this morning. When they build these this nice, have you ever seen these? Well, I'm, I'm a weird guy, and I watch all these uh, constructions where they build all these chests and dressers. And, the, and they start off with all this rough-looking wood. And then they go in, and they sand it down, and they smooth it out. And that's, ain't that kind of like us as Christians? We're rough around the edges, and it takes the master carpenter to, to buff out things. And, and if there's a little spot or a blemish, you know, he'll cover it up with something, his blood, just to name a few things. He'll, he'll make it look nice. But when it's done, the last thing he does is seal it. And when it's sealed, nothing can penetrate that wood. Okay, and so when I think about being sealed with God, he sealed us with the blood of Jesus Christ. That means nothing can get to us. Nothing can take us or separate us from that. That don't mean we're going to not have hard times. That doesn't mean we're not going to have hardships. But that means we have an advocate named Jesus Christ. Amen. And before we get into chapter 2, one thing that God's been dealing with me about is that God's people do not fight for victory I know this is going to sound crazy, but listen to what I'm saying. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. We already have the victory. Christ defeated death, hell, and the grave. We're not fighting for that. We've already got the victory. We're fighting from victory. That gives us a better advantage than fighting for it. Amen? Because we're seated with him in the heavenlies. Where there is power, where there is peace, and where there is victory, it's all ours. 
All we have to do is grab it. Pastor Paul talked sometime, one time about receiving forgiveness, receiving God's authority, receiving salvation. And if, if you don't receive it, you may ask for it, but you also have to receive it. You got to take it in. You got to make it become part of your life. Okay, enough about chapter one. All right, turn to chapter two. Ephesians chapter two. One of the things that I do when I start working on my sermons is I read the, the chapter. So Ephesians chapter two, I read it like 20 times. And like Dwayne was saying, sometimes you got to read it and then reread it. And for me, I got to read it again just to get an understanding. And then I start breaking it down. And so I would ask God, I said, okay, it's going to be a long sermon to try to teach line by line, precept by precept. How do you want me to do it? He said, well, pick out three things to talk about. I said, okay, so we're going to talk about three things this morning. Amen. Amen. Now, next week, I'm going to give you a heads up. Next week, we're going to be in what chapter? Three. Chapter three. So that means you got all week. That's right. We got all week to read chapter three. Let chapter two sink in and then jump into chapter three. Okay, here we go. Verse two, chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, we were all dead. I want to talk about death this morning. I want to talk about physical death for the unbeliever. When, when you're an unbeliever and you physically die, that means you have no more chances to get saved. Amen. There's no more chances to make wrongs the rights that you've committed, to make right the wrongs you've committed. There's no more chances to ask your brother to forgive you or your sister to forgive you. There's no more chances when you're, when you're dead as an unbeliever to have a, you're going you're gonna to stand in heaven, but you're not going to be seated there. You're going to go down into the pits of hell for, for being an unbeliever, for not believing in Jesus Christ, for not asking him to be your Lord and Savior, okay? And then there's no more chances to witness when you get saved. There's no more chances to do right when you're gone. There's no more chances to love. And ultimately what it means is that we will be eternally separated from God. As an unbeliever, if you die today and you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you will be eternally separated. And from what I read in the Bible, that's not a place you want to go to because once you're there, you're not coming out. You're not coming back. Revelation 21.8, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Why is it the second death? Because in Hebrews it says it's appointed man, until man wants to die, then after that the judgment. The lake of fire is the second death for unbelievers. Amen. 2 Thessalonians 1.9, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Revelations 21, 27, but nothing unclean will ever enter it or anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So is your name written in that book this morning? There's going to be a day when we stand up there and we're, we're coming up to the gates and St. Peter, in my imagination, he's going to be standing there and he's going to be looking through the book and he's going to say, oh, 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 Olaf, you're here. And some of y'all, he might say, oh, 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 you're not here. You missed the mark. You missed the mark. 
So he's going to look and he's going to find your last name and he's going to find you. And if your name ain't in there, what a sad day it, is, it will be. One of the greatest things that I think we'll ever face in our life is when we stand before Christ and when we think something was, was, realize it really wasn't. Imagine standing before Jesus and we have a, a, a knowledge of who Christ is and we kind of do some things like Christians do, but we've never had a relationship with him. Imagine standing there after you've kind of been a Christian your whole life, kind of acted like it, and he says, I never knew you. I never knew you. You've had all this time to do things right. So why am I telling you all that? Because time is running out. Time is running out. Tick-tock. You can't get back the time that you've lost. And you've got to stop doing your own thing. You've got to stop running around, living these reckless, abandoned lives. Like the Apostle Paul says, shall continue to sin, that grace may abound. We've got to stop having this attitude that I'm going to keep sinning, and then I'm going to keep doing what I want because God's going to forgive me. And yes, he's going to forgive you, but when are you going to stop? At what point will he turn you over to a reprobate mind? At what point? We've got to stop doing our own thing. We have to stop doing what our will and start doing God's will. Amen? And the reason we do that is because we have no regard for the Lord. The reason we continue to sin with these same sins that we continue to sin in is because we have no fear of God. We have no reverence for the Lord because if I committed a sin and God immediately came down and laid the hammer on me, or you, don't just look at me, or you, and God smashed one of y'all for doing something wrong, the rest of us would get some act right in us real quick. But it doesn't happen that way. It creeps in. We continue to sin. And then, then the, we normally don't have the immediate ramifications of the sin until later on, so we continue on. It's like a slow, painful death. But that's what, the, what physical death means for the unbeliever. That's what it means. Now, for the believer, physical death means that you get to claim your rewards. Amen? How many believers we got? Got a house full. Amen. Most everybody in here is saved. Amen. That means you get to claim your rewards. The Bible lists at least five crowns that we're going to get awarded when we get to heaven. The victor's crown, self-discipline, being able to control yourself, being able to control your mouth, being able to control your body, your desires, your actions, being able to control all those things and honor God, you're going to get a victor's crown. Amen. A crown of rejoicing. To me, uh, a crown of rejoicing, well, not to me, but the crown of rejoicing in the Bible is when you lead others to Christ. And I don't like calling people and putting people on, on the spotlight, but we had some souls won this morning. And our brother, our very own Joshua Johnson, in the, in the jail this morning, he had the opportunity. and want to praise God for what he did, but not for him. Praise God that he got to pray with two people to receive Christ this morning. Right? And that's why we're in this business. That's why we're doing what we're doing is for souls. If we can't win souls for Christ, then we might as well just call this the country club, LCC. Amen? We might as well put a putt-putt golf in the children's church or a lazy river or something, which that probably wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> we can have a lazy river, put the preacher right in the middle, and everybody just swim around in circles. Amen? Wouldn't do that. But that's why we do what we do, and that's the, the crown of rejoicing. And some of us, in our, we, we'll go an entire life and never, have, and never pray with one person to receive Christ. 
Because we have this mindset that we have to be a pastor or we have to be an elder or we have to have this Bible knowledge or this Bible school. You don't have to have any of that. Just so you know, we're all pastors. We're all preachers. Everything we do in our life preaches a message. Okay? Share your testimony. By the power of your testimony, people will come to Christ. It's not always the words you say. It's the actions that you live. Amen? The crown of righteousness, the third crown, seeking and longing for Jesus Christ. How many of you get up thinking and asking God, what can I do today, Lord, to honor you? How can I honor you with my, with my spirit? How can I honor you with my flesh? How can I honor you with my, my tithes and my offerings and my giving and whatever I have? That's a crown of righteousness. When you're constantly seeking God, when you get up in the morning and you practice your jump or you, or you look outside to the east and you're listening, waiting. Are you coming today, Lord? You're anticipating. You're seeking him. And by doing that, you're, you're, you're in the word. You're studying. You're praying. You're worshiping God. And you're letting yourself as a vessel be used for all of God's glory. And the crown of life, enduring, enduring temptations, overcoming things, not giving in. When you know you, there's something's wrong, instead of doing it, you step away and you say, I'm not going to do this no more. That's the crown of life. Because you're enduring temptation. You're enduring trials when people persecute you, when they talk bad about you, when they talk about your daddy or your mama. You step back and you say, I'm not going to fight this, Lord. I'm not going to fight this, Lord. And you, let, that's called, you get the crown of life, even unto martyrdom. I doubt what, it, very seriously anybody will ever here die a martyr, but it includes that. There are a lot of people that have gone before us. And then the crown of glory crown of glory is awarded to the faithful shepherds of God's people. My pastor, Paul Golden, received the crown of glory. The only, matter of fact, the only crown he didn't receive is the one for being a martyr. But I promise you, if he had his way, he probably would have. I promise you. I know my pastor. Amen. He has a crown of glory. The crown of glory is to God's faithful shepherds, to God's faithful leaders, the people that Stand up and then they, they keep their marriage sanctified. They keep their kids sanctified. Doesn't mean your kids ain't going to act out, but it means you pray over them. You, you pray and serve God so that they'll, he'll protect your children. He'll protect your marriage and you, and you fight for what's right. And you're faithful to the end. You're faithful to the serve. Even when you don't want to get up and go to the hospital, you go to the hospital. Even when you don't only have $20 and somebody needs $25, you dig in the couch so you find the quarters and you help them out. Crown of glory, being faithful, amen? But ultimately, and this is the greatest part, ultimately, our greatest reward will be the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Be the Lord Jesus Christ. No crown can ever compare to the splendor of his glory. Nothing compares to his great love. Nothing ever has, nothing ever is, and nothing ever will. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life, how good or how bad, whenever there's a beautiful sunset, don't you just look and say, wow, your glory, your splendor, and it's going to be that much and then some and more when we get there and we get to be with God because that is the greatest reward anybody will ever get. And another thing while we're on this subject, one of the greatest things we could ever do as men and women of God, as Christians, as born-again believers, is find somebody, find a hurt and heal it, See a need and meet it is to win somebody to Jesus Christ. Win somebody to Jesus Christ. There's a reward for that. 
And we don't do it for the reward, but we do it because we love God. And the reason I'm so passionate about finding lost souls is because I was a lost soul. And it took somebody years and years of praying and being faithful, even when I wasn't doing the right thing, to continue to love and, and pray and press into God to get me to where I needed to be. Because when you can't do it on your own. You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. It's the Holy Spirit that comes into the situation. But he needs vessels. He needs people to be present in every stage, in every area of, of your life, in every walk, every grocery store, every trailer park, every subdivision, every millionaire's mansion, everywhere, somebody has to be representing Christ. That's why we're a body. That's why we all have a place that we work and that we go. Because who is God's representative on your job? Gabe? Gabe is. Dwayne? Who represents God on your job? Dwayne does. Who represents God when I'm at my house? I do. We all represent Christ. So how are you representing the man that died for your sins and gave you a chance, how are you treating other people in the same regards? But Christ is our great reward. And, and sadly, many people are, are going to miss that reward. Many people are going to miss that reward because nobody went and told them. Nobody went and told them. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I don't like people feeling guilty. But I believe we could all do better. I believe we could all do better at just telling somebody about Jesus Christ. Amen. Nothing compares to his great love. And that was the physical death of the believer. Now, the other thing is the physical death, and it talks, I'm talking about all of mankind. Hebrews 9, 27, and it says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after this comes the judgment. So here's the most interesting thing. <laughs> Here's the most interesting thing. Appointed means there is a date with your name on it. Appointed means that there's a day coming where Tim Olaf will breathe his last. There is a date coming where everybody will breathe your last. And the thing is, we don't know when that date is. So why are we trying to live our life like we know we have all this time and you don't know what it is? There might be a spaceship fall out of the sky and land right on your house. It can happen. It has happened, by the way. You know what I'm saying? Why do we live like that? Appointed means there's a date with your name on it. And it's approaching faster for some of us. Now, look, I'm not trying to talk about the old bucks and the young bucks, okay? Look, I just want to say, let me just point out something, okay? Just because you're an old buck doesn't mean your time's approaching faster than a young buck. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how young you are. God created you with a purpose and, a, and put in you a way to serve him, a talent, a gift. He, everybody has that. doesn't matter how old you are because young people die before old people. Old people die before young people. But I will say the odds are higher for the older bucks. <laughs> Look, and I'm just st statistically speaking, okay? I'm just saying. Don't shoot me down. Don't shoot me down. That just, yeah, like Dwayne said, y'all are just closer to the Lord, okay? No big deal. Do your thing. Anyways, getting off topic. I don't, y'all don't send me no dirty messages, please. I love everybody. Jesus loves everybody. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not a prophet, but I'm going to give a prophecy. Y'all listen closely. This is serious business. I am not a prophet, but I have a prophecy. I want you to get in your spirit. You are going to die. 
okay? Now look, I know that was profound, but I want you to understand it, that one day you will die. And when you're done and when you're gone, everything you've done on this earth will come to a stop. Then you're going to stand before Christ, and, you, and you're not going to be able to say, I should have, would have, could have. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. Every reward that you have is going to be right there when you get there presented to you. Every reward you didn't earn will not be there. But the ones that you should have earned that somebody else is doing because you didn't do it, they'll get it. John 4.4, 4, 14 says, life is but a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And we run through this life like it's so long and so, so much time that we have. And in reality, we don't. It's a vapor. It just disappears. It dissipates. But compared, it seems like a long time now, but compared to eternity, why take a chance on a date you know is coming, on living a life filled with your own desires, your own lust, forsaking God? Why would we ever think that would be okay, that that was a good idea? Why would we ever think, I'm going to live how I want to live, and when I'm on my deathbed, ask God to save me or ask God to change my ways? The only thing that will be remembered of your life when you're gone is, is, is the rewards that you have in heaven because everything else will pass away. Everything. Verse 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. That is my second favorite scripture right next to 2 Corinthians five seventeen. That's my second favorite scripture. So by grace you have been saved. So grace is the uh, free and unmerited favor of God. That means it's, when something is free, what does that mean? That means you just go pick it up. You just go buy it and you just grab a handful of it. It doesn't matter. When you're at a grocery store, if they're giving out free lollipops, everybody gets in line. It's free. You don't have to pay for it. Stick it in your pocket, and if you're like me, you make another lap around the aisle and you come back and get another one. They're free. They didn't say limit one. You can get two if you want. Otherwise, there should be a sign out there. One per person. Amen. Now, grace is free. It's something you cannot earn. And how many of y'all received just a little bit of God's grace this morning? Yeah, not many hands went up. There's a lot of people in here that need some grace this morning. Amen. All right, we're going to get to that. Be patient. Just keep praying. It's free. It doesn't matter how right or wrong you are. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your political affiliation. Grace is free. It doesn't matter how smart you are. If you know everything the Bible says from Genesis to Revelations, or if you don't even know how to spell Bible, grace is free for you, and it's free for everyone, even young or old. It doesn't matter. Grace is free. It always has been. It always is, and it always will be free but we have to receive it. We have to receive it. Amen? So what is faith? What is faith? Faith is a complete trust or confidence in someone or something. I have complete faith that when I get home, and not saying this is my wife's job, but she's taking this as her role as, as a um, homemaker. I have complete faith in my wife when I get home that dinner's going to be cooked. I have complete faith in my wife that when I get home, she's going to tell me, you forgot to take the trash out. <laughs> At which point, I will go grab the trash and take it out. At which point, she'll say, you didn't put a bag in the trash can. <laughs> That's a process that we have. 
and I'm trying to train up my offspring on taking out the trash, but that's kind of fallen by the wayside. <laughs> we'll see. When you start putting their, their tablets in jeopardy, they, they kind of start moving a little fast. But faith is the unmerited, I mean, <laughs> yes, faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And it's because of God's grace, and it's because of our faith, God's grace, our faith, that we are saved. Amen? It's God's grace, our faith, that we are saved. And what that means is that I have complete faith, that I have complete confidence, complete trust in God, that what his word says is true, that he sent his son to die on the cross, his only begotten son, that I could be saved. And if I pray the prayer in Romans 10, 9 and 10, and there's many ways to pray the prayer, but you've got to confess and believe. Doesn't matter. You got to confess and believe that it, Romans 10 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. With your heart, you believe into righteousness, and with your mouth, confession is made into salvation. Christian said in men's group this morning, there is power in your words, and you speak things out. And when you speak that out, what you're saying, everything changes in the atmosphere around you, and you're saved. You're saved because of your faith, but it's because of God's grace that you're saved. Amen. And that's the reason I'm going to heaven, because of God's grace. If God said it, I believe it. I know there's some things in here that's hard to comprehend and understand, but if God said it, I believe it. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen. A third part to Ephesians 2.8 and 9 is works. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So what is these works? What is this works that we're talking about? Because some people seem to get them confused. I had them confused for a long time. Being created the way I was, I, always, I have this dominating spirit where I always want to take over. I always want to be in charge. I always want to earn this and I always want to earn that. So sometimes as men and women, we feel like we have to earn our salvation. And what God is saying is you can't earn it. You can't earn it, because if you can earn it, you can lose it. If you can do something to earn being saved, then if you don't do what you're supposed to to be saved, then that means you can lose what your salvation is supposed to be. But I can't earn it. I can, no matter what I do, no matter how hard I work, I cannot earn my way into heaven, because who gets the glory if that happens? I do. I get the glory. And everything I'm supposed to do as a Christian, I'm supposed to be what? I'm supposed to be a direct path to who? Not Tim, to Jesus Christ and to Christ alone. Amen? Works is acts or deeds. It's something that you can do. Okay? And if you compare this to your job, you get up every day, you go to work, and you, you do what your job requires you to do, and you get a paycheck. So we're conditioned from an early age. I do it with my kids. Matthew, take the trash out. No. Okay. You lose your tablet. So then he gets up. He takes the trash out or drags it, and I usually have to pick it up, but he tries, and he'll get the trash out, then he'll get his tablet, right? So he's, we're training our kids, and we should, to work to make a living. If you work hard, you play hard. If you work and you make a good living, it doesn't matter how much you make, but the point is that you got to do something to get something. And so with that mentality, it's easy to see why so many people think we can earn our salvation, by the works that we do. And it's so sad. That's not true. And it's a sad reality. But it's something, you know, and at the end of the day, you get a paycheck. 
and at the end of the day of us being saved and allowing God to save us and not ourselves, we get the ultimate paycheck, which is streets of gold. Amen. We get a mansion when we leave out of here. We get a glorified body. We get, we get eternal life. Amen. And we can't earn any of that. If so, there's some people that are extremely hard workers, and there's some people that uh, Proverbs talks about won't even take their hand from the plate to their mouth. Slothful. And another reason, if, if you earned your salvation, we'd have all these great hard workers in heaven and all the lazy people down here. It doesn't work like that. Amen. But anyways, it's works, it's acts, or deeds. Psalms 92.5 says, How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. Now, unfortunately, Ephesians 2.8.9 ain't talking about God's works. We ain't talking about the God that created the universe. That was a work. It was a beautiful work, or the earth, how he created this place for us to live, how he created the gravity that keeps us stationed. And if, one, if our earth was tilted one degree off its axis, we'd all blow out to oblivion. If we was one inch closer to the sun, we'd all burn up. If we was one inch farther from the sun, we'd all freeze. Those are works. Those are God's works, and they're great, and they're mighty, and they're magnificent. And when we wake up every morning and we say, yes, Lord, thank you, Father, that I have a heater in my house. God created somebody with the idea to create that work for a heater in the house. Amen. Those are God's works. But, you know, sadly, Ephesians 2, 8, 8 and 9 ain't talking about God's works. See, it's not God's works that get you into heaven. It's not your works that get you into heaven. It's God's grace. And, but we're talking about your works. We're talking about my works. James 2.26 says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So works don't give you faith. Works don't save you. There's congregations um, that believe your works save you. Acts, you know, being baptized is a work. Being baptized is an act. Okay, when you get baptized, baptism is symbolic for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It doesn't save you. You can go down a dry center and come up a wet center. Baptism is saying, hey, I'm going to live for Christ. And I want y'all to see it. And I want y'all to hold me accountable. But there are people that believe that if you don't get baptized, you will not go to heaven. There are people that believe that baptism washes away your sins, and it doesn't. Only the blood of Christ. And I say that at baptism because it's confusing, but baptism is a work. Okay? And it don't save you. Works don't give you faith. In other words, in other words, we're a... don't do, we don't do works to earn salvation. I do works because I'm saved. I do works because I'm eager. Once I get saved for Jesus Christ, I want to go out and I want to tell everybody about Jesus Christ. I want to tell them about my life. I want to tell them how he's changed me, how he's changed my family, how my finances has changed, how I was sick and now I'm healed, how I was blind, but now I see. Nothing physically might ever change. You may still be in the same circumstances, but spiritually, you have a different outlook on life, and spiritually, you change, and it changes you. And when you, when you see things through the eyes of Christ, you see things totally different. Now that storm you're going through doesn't seem so bad. But I do works because I'm saved, because I'm ready to go, because I'm ready to share. Amen? Does that make sense?
Am I, am I being clear? I always pray every morning, Lord, I want to teach the gospel simple. The gospel is so simple. And I want it to be simple. So let me simplify it. You can't earn your way to heaven. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how bad you are. Salvation is a free gift because of God and what he did on the cross. Okay? Nothing you could do. The Apostle Paul says our righteousness is like filthy rags. All the good deeds I could do is no better than the rags that I'm wiping off my tires with. Filthy, nasty, disgusting. But it's God. Look down. And, but God, see, God is looking through the eyes of Christ. God is looking at us through the lens of Jesus. Amen? Verse 10. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Workmanship means the degree of skill with which a product is made or a job is done. Amen? And just to, just to make a point about that, God created the man from the dirt, and he took the rib of a man and made a woman. So the woman, in my opinion, is more valuable than the man. See, when we die, we're going back to dirt. When women die, they're going back to ribs. <laughs> just a thought. Just a thought. And ribs are good. Huh? Ribs are real good. The baby backs, you know what I'm saying, pork ribs, it doesn't matter. All right. Thank you, Lord. Y'all were looking at me like I was serious. I had to throw something out there. Amen. Workmanship means the degree of skill with which a product is made or a job is done. God said we are his workmanship. When I think about workmanship, it reminds me of a clay pot. Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are our potter, we are all the work of the hand. Amen. Of your hand, Lord. God is the master builder. God is the architect that designed you. God is the, the creator that just stepped down and said, you know what? I'm going to design this person this exact way. Amen. He is the, the complete designer. And it, there are steps to making a pot, okay, a vessel, which I like to call it. So I want to hit four things real quick about um, making a vessel. Number one, everything is messy. And I compare the thought of this potter, this clay potter who grabs this big old clump of clay and he throws it down on this wheel that's constantly spinning and he starts mashing it together. And when we come to Christ as new believers, we're just a big old mess. We're crying everywhere. We're snotting everywhere. We don't know what's going on. We don't know if, if this is real, if it's not real. Is God going to save me? Do I have to earn my salvation? It's just a big old mess, isn't it? But then God comes in, right, and he starts getting his hands in there. And that's what I love about God is he molds you, and he moves you in the direction you need to go. But sometimes we fight that. Sometimes we fight. If God's moving you in one way, we want to go over here because that's where my buddies are. I want to sit on this side because my besties, Daryl and Eric, sit over here. But God maybe want me to sit by Samantha, you know, and I might have to do that. But God is molding you, and, and it's messy. Everything in our life is messy. Our family our finances are out of whack. We're broke, busted, and disgusted. We don't know if we're coming or going. But you know what? God created that. God is there. God is putting his hands in there. And sometimes you've got to stop and let God do what God's going to do. 
And it's going to hurt sometimes. And when he starts mashing and putting pressure and twisting things and wringing things out, because he's got to get the imperfections out of it so it can be a vessel of honor. Because he is the master builder. Amen. But not just for new believers. You, you seasoned believers don't think you're out of the water yet. How many times as seasoned believers have we found ourselves back on the, on the potter's wheel? Huh? I have many a times. I get twisted off and I call Charlie and blah, 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 blah. And he'll say, okay, we're going to make another lap around the mountain, Timmy boy. You got to learn it. You got to learn it. And I get back on that wheel and God starts molding and, you know, because what I, the vessel I was at one time has served its purpose. Now I'm another vessel, but still with the hands of the putter. It's got to hold something different. It's going to mean something different. And number two, it takes time. If we could all just slow down, just settle down, and realize that change takes time. When God is, when, when the potter is making that clay pot, it takes time. And he's smoothing it out. He keeps adding a little water to it just to make it, get all the ribs out. And he works it and works it and works it. In order to get it perfect, it takes time, okay? It takes a lot of time. And the, the other part about that is once he's got the, everything where he wants it, He's got to put it through the fire. The Apostle Paul says everything that we do will be tested by the fire. And the reason it has to be tested by the fire, because it, if it ain't of God, it needs to go. If there's any imperfections in it, it's going to come out. And sometimes these pots break. Then they go back and go back on the wheel. And they may go through the fire two or three times until they're able to withstand the things that they're supposed to withstand. And we do the same as Christians. We keep going through these things and going through these things because God's building something inside of us to help and prepare for somebody else. And we may have to go to the, through the fire more than once. And it's okay because I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were in the fire, God was with them. He's not saying you got to do it alone. He's going to go in there with you. And the reason he goes in there with you is so he can show you what needs to come off of you, which is the ropes that had you bound up. The potter takes his time, and it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And if we can get this idea when we're talking to other people and we're witnessing to other Christians, and when we see how long it took us to go from the uttermost the guttermost to the uttermost, and we have that same mentality with everybody else, imagine how much our church will change. If we can be patient with somebody else and know that it takes them time to get where they need to be, just like it took us time to get where God wanted us to be, where are we going to be at as a church? Where are we going to be at as people, as friends? Amen? And it takes practice. Sometimes it takes practice. Sometimes you're going to mess up. Let me rephrase that. You will mess up. But you have a chance to get it right. Number three, it's up to the potter. It's up to the potter. And if we can grab a hold of that, the potter, God decides what the vessel will look like. The potter decides which flaws will be there. The potter decides which characteristics it will have. And this, isn't God the same with us? Some of us have flaws, not that it's a sin, but some of us may not look like other people. Some of us may have infirmities. Some of us may have deformities. But you know, God left it there for a reason, 
for a testimony, to share the gospel, to glorify him. Amen? It's the potter that leaves the characteristics in the vessel. It's the potter that leaves, it's God that gives you the talents that you have to do the things that you do. It's God that gives you the, the passions that you have for lost people, for money. Some of us are anointed to be able to handle millions of dollars worth of money. I promise you, I, I totally missed that whole tree. That is not me. If I got $10 in my pocket, I'm going to the mall. I want new shoes. I got some last night. I'm not saying it was a good deal. My wife didn't like it, but I did. She didn't like it. How many do you need? It doesn't matter. It does matter. I got nowhere to store them. <laughs> I'm having to build a whole new room on my house just for my shoes. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But God gives you your passions. God gives you your specific set of skills. The potter gives you those skills. And all these skills are used to glorify him. He gives you your eye color. He gives you your height. He gives you your wit. God does that. God set that in place. Number four. Number four. And I want you all to get this in your spirit as we start to close this morning. Number four. If you don't hear nothing else I say this morning, I want you to hear this. Each vessel is designed with a purpose. Each vessel that the potter makes, he has a purpose in mind before he makes it. So when God created you, he already knew what you would be doing. You see, everything in creation that God created does what it's supposed to do. The birds chirp, the flowers bloom, the wind blows, the rain rains, the waves crash. Humans are the only ones of God's creation that have to be prodded and poked and coerced and begged and pleaded to do the right thing. Just imagine if we just did what God created us to do. Did he create you to worship? Then worship him. Did God create you to, to be a prayer warrior? Get on your knees. Did he create you to drive a bus? Get on the bus and drive. And we get so focused on, on, the, on the honor, on the high levels of, of ministry. It's like Daryl said, somebody told him one time, a high prominent man, a city councilman. He said, don't look at things like you're on a ladder because that puts people above you. We're all on the same playing field. We're all level. We just have different callings. We have different passions. But we all have the same purpose, and that's to get to Christ, and that's to bring others with us. And if we don't have that purpose, then we're misguided, and we're going down a path we don't need to be going down. Amen. Amen. Each vessel, this is the most amazing thing, each vessel that God creates has the same designer. He has the same designer. Each vessel gets 100% of the designer's capabilities. Just because he, he created somebody with more knowledge about something than somebody else or with a better characteristic than something else doesn't mean we didn't get all of God. Everything that we are, everything that we do, everything that we have, our purpose and our being is put in us from creation for God, and that's to know him and make him known. And there's many ways to do that. There's many ways to do that, to know him and make him known. But each vessel has a different purpose. Although we have the same capabilities, we have the same designer, we all have a different purpose. Some vessels were created to drive buses. Some are school workers. Some are teachers. Some are pastors. Some are preachers. Some are ushers, exhorters, prophets. 
But it doesn't matter what the vessel was made for or what its intended purpose is. Every vessel that's created was created to reflect the glory of the Creator. Hey, this is Christian Golden. I wanted to thank you so much for joining us today and listening to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I'd like to ask you to do a couple things for us. The first is to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date with everything going on here at LCC. Also, you can help us reach others around the world by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you and have a great day.